0: Welcome to the Partnership Podcast. We're releasing today's episode just a few weeks from Financial Conduct Authority Regulation of Funeral Planning comes into force on the 29th of July, so not long now. Most immediately, for those who intend to keep working with Golden Charter, that means having approved people and plan sellers go through a two-hour training webinar and multiple choice exercise. We've been putting these on for six weeks ahead of the 29th, and details and a registration form are online at goldenchartertraining.co.uk. Today we'll talk to a funeral director who's gone through that training. Our guest Kenneth is from Kenneth Keegan Independent Funeral Directors in the west of Scotland. We'll be talking about how that training went for him and his staff, and what regulation means more generally now that it's right around the corner, and the work he does in his community.
1: So, morning Kenneth, how are you? I'm fine, thanks Malcolm, and thanks very much for the invite to do the podcast this morning, very much appreciated.
0: Not at all, really looking forward to this, and the fact that you're up there in Paisley, west of Glasgow, and I'm down here in Bournemouth, we're not going to let geography get in the way of a good podcast, all right? So, looking forward to this chat.
1: Um, I'm just a bit envious of the sunshine coming through the window there, it's raining where we are, so... (laughs)
0: Yeah, look, you know, it's always like the Mediterranean down here. All right. But uh, there we are. Firstly, congratulations. I understand you and five of your staff have already gone through a webinar, passed the test and are ready to offer plans under FCA regulation. So how was it for you?
1: Yeah, it was fine. Um, I think with all things uh, new, there's a sense of anticipation or anxiety. Uh, What's it going to entail? How much of a change is it going to be? Um, but actually going through the webinar and things, it seemed that, you know, 85, 90 percent of the things we discussed were already doing. It's right. just the extra bits on the front and the back end of it and just making sure that we're prepared when the time comes. Um, but no, I felt it was quite a positive experience yet. And how did you
0: do it? Did you all sit the test at the same time or, or the webinar or were you doing it in different places at different times?
1: No, we did it in separate days. We staggered it just so it wasn't too much of a problem for the operation, the daily kind of tasks we need to do. Yeah. So each member of staff did it in a different day. I spoke to them individually and they all brought up their own thoughts on how the process would work. And then at the end of that, we shared that together to try and alleviate any concerns after the training. But yeah, as I say, with everything, everyone's um, pretty positive about it, but just a sense of anticipation to get started now.
0: No, I appreciate that. Okay. And so tell me, there's been a bit of trepidation about the actual test at the end of the training. Um, How did you find the test itself?
1: Well, that was straightforward, to be honest. Um, Again, with it being multiple choice, most of it's common sense. And you're already aware of the answer um, in terms of when you read the question, it's what you do in a daily process when you speak to clients. So most of it's, pretty much common sense and just using your your experience to answer the question. And all the staff came out the other end saying the exact same, that, yeah, there may have been one or two that they felt could have went either way. Um, yeah. But on balance, they, they were fine with it, Yep. Yeah.
0: Fantastic.
1: Okay. And,
0: and just sort of turning really to the content of the training and the assessment itself, how did you find that? I guess I'm interested in whether you and your staff learn anything new or surprising and... Whether you know, your staff felt there was either too much detail or whether the detail was about right for them in terms of the training.
1: Yeah, the feedback that I got and from my experience, sometimes because the the chat was open, your mind would wander and read that. But no, I, I felt it was it was good to be able to do it and do it with other funeral directors because there may have been things I wasn't necessarily thinking as the training was going on, and they yeah. were able to capture that uh, and bring it up. So seeing the questions, there were things there that you thought, yeah. That's maybe an angle that I didn't think about. Um, so it was good to be able to share that best practice, maybe. Or at the end, when those questions are collated, answers can come from that. It's good to to be able to to look at people's different perspectives on that and and how they see it.
0: Gotcha. That's really helpful. Thanks, Kenneth. And I guess you know, there's a lot of your colleagues will be listening to this podcast, and, and we've got nearly three thousand people we we need to put through the training for regulation. Um, what would you say to those funeral directors out there that haven't actually booked their training
1: in yet? I think it's better to get the, the knowledge early so you can actually get your own mindset correct and, and how you're going to approach it. Uh, as you probably know, Malcolm, every funeral director in the country probably approaches arrangements yeah. um, in a different way. They've got their own method methods and their own way of working practices and doing it. Um, so to be able to get in there early, get that general kind of idea of, in your mind where you want to to take the conversation and how you'll fit that in with the regulation. Um, I think it's worthwhile doing it early so you can get that ready. But likewise, if you've not done it yet, there's nothing to be worried about. There's nothing to be concerned about. It's pretty straightforward. And most of it, as I say, you already know and you do in your everyday working life. It's just really getting those extra bits of regulation into your mind and your thoughts about how you're going to approach those. And the process that you, you need to change and adapt to make sure that you tick those boxes, that you're doing it correctly, not just for yourself and ticking a box, but from the client's journey as well, making sure that they are secure okay. in the knowledge of you're selling the plan or you're offering the services correctly.
0: Gotcha. Thank you. Excellent. Um, now, just standing back a bit and looking more broadly at what's happening to the market, so particularly regulation, FCA regulation, funeral plans, How are you feeling about that as as a sort of business owner, as well as a funeral director? Do you feel
1: prepared? Is it something you welcome? Very much it's welcomed. Uh, I think most people would agree with that. And it's probably overdue. On that same note, though, there is a slight fatigue, I feel, within the funeral (laughs) profession of uh, the last, you know, coming out the back of COVID, during the, the back of COVID, going through the CMA uh, introduction, uh, doing the introduction, doing, in Scotland particularly, we've had the licensing hanging over us for the last yes, maybe six, seven years or so. Yeah. All these things are starting to build up and coming to, to an end. And it's just really keeping positive, uh, having an energy about trying to adapt and take uh, an approach to it and not feeling overwhelmed. Um, as mm-hmm. I say, majority of people, and although we'll do things slightly different, majority of the things we're already doing. Um, It's just really putting that into practice or showing what we're already doing, that fits the criteria that's put in front of us. Um, But I don't think anyone's got anything really to worry about. Along with that though, it's just keeping the staff positive about it all as well. Uh, It's it's easy for me to put my hat on and say, no, I'm I'm going to look after myself and be positive. It's just keeping the morale up with the staff as well, because it can be overwhelming for them. I mean, they're dealing with clients every day and the demands that clients have now with funerals as well. You know, there's been a lot of change in the last three or four years with webcast uh, things that COVID came in and visual tributes, things of this nature. Having to do all that and also keep an eye on all the regulation side of things and the changes. Yeah, Yeah, that's probably the most challenging thing for me at the moment is just keeping the staff morale as high as it can be. And they having a positive outlook that these changes are coming but they're for the better not, not to hinder them in their everyday
0: life. Right. That's a really helpful insight. Thanks, Kenneth. And so so let's stand back. Let's, let's learn a little bit more about your business then, particularly its past as, as well as where you see its future. So can you take us through the history, um, where you are in Paisley, what you do in the community um, and, and what you see your business doing long after regulation comes in on the 29th of July? So sort of paint that picture of how you ended up being a funeral director for us.
1: Yeah, so um, it wasn't something that I had a conscious decision that I was going to be, if I'm honest. I used to work in a retail environment and the the job that I did, I became redundant. And it just just so happened that someone was looking for, I had a vacancy for a trainee funeral director. I had a conversation with them, and I thought, no, that, that kind of fits my nature, I think, and how I see life. So, yeah, I went for the job and I was fortunate enough to get it. I found in a short space of time I really enjoyed, which sounds strange um, when you tell people you enjoy the the job of being a funeral director, but it's it's the rewarding side of things. You know, being able to take a client through from a difficult, extremely difficult uh, situation in their life at times to the other Mm -hmm. side. And them taking the time out of that grief to show you their appreciation, it really gives you a sense of uh, achievement. I worked my way up with the national brand of funeral directors. Um, It got to the point where I just felt where ethoses were slightly different. So I decided, you know what, it's time, if I can do it, put my money where my mouth is. If I really feel strongly about the client's journey and how I see that should be done, I need to branch out and actually put that into practice. Just shy of eight years now, in August 2014, uh, we opened Kenneth Keegan Independent Funeral Directors. And yet we've never looked back. I've got colleagues that I worked with before who have said, what's it like working for yourself? Yeah, And um, I said, listen, it's a totally different stress. Mm. But uh, the fact that you've got the autonomy to, to structure things and, and make it how you the best practice that you think you can offer for a client, right. that, that in itself has a, another level of the reward. And yeah, we've, we've, we've built up a good reputation in Paisley and Wider Rimshire where we trade. And was- just, just talking about that reputation
0: then, t- tell me a little bit more what, what you do in the community and how you kind of build on that reputation of yours, because I know that's important to you.
1: Yeah, well, we've got a challenge where we've got a lot of competition in our area. Um, yeah, we are yeah. one of the largest towns in Scotland. Um, but at the same time, there is a lot of other independents and national brands uh, on our doorstep. Yeah, we, we did have a, a thought process on how we want to take the client through, um, the coming in the door to after the funeral and the level of service we wanted to provide. What was going to be difficult was breaking down those hurdles of getting the clients in our door. Yeah, um, sure. We were a new name. Yes, I had clients that I'd previously previously uh, serviced with the, the other, if you know, directors that I worked with, but to try and break down that barrier of the fight, not going with what they've always went with, yeah. um, was difficult. So we kind of started small, we didn't have a big budget, yeah. and we just tried to reach out to various opinion formers and, and join various things, whether that be the local chamber of commerce. There was a lot of large businesses, like the Glasgow Airport, the local university, yeah how we could tap into that and let them know about our services and where we were. And they could maybe filter that out into the community with talking to right. people. So, yeah, we started small, um, but just really focused on the, the set level of service that we offered clients, yes. that we would really be personal um, and, and just give them that time that I thought we weren't getting previously with the, the larger funeral directors. And that seemed to pay dividends. You know, y- you build up relationships that you maybe don't have time to do before. And you can just make it a more personal service. Likewise, those clients then feel invested in you as well. And and then word of mouth starts to build about the level of service you provide. COVID obviously coming along the last two years has been difficult. Mm -hmm. And funeral directing is always going to be a hard thing to market direct. You're always worried about placing the thought of a a death in people's everyday lives. You want to be there, but you Mm -hmm. don't want to to be invasive. But as I say, I think if you can build up relationships with people out with having to provide a service to them, that then they've got, as I say, maybe a vested interest in you as well and to see you succeed. Well done. And and in amongst all of that, are you utilising digital
0: at all in terms of promoting business and messages, you know, in terms of yeah. service brand?
1: When we first opened, um, it was one of the thoughts was this was only eight years ago and digital was yeah. massively changed in eight years but yeah. small, small steps. When we first started, we had all our brochures done digitally, one yeah. for a cost element. But it, it meant that we, we wanted to drive traffic to our website that we didn't think our local competition was maybe doing as much as cool. we did. So having cheese on our website, using social media. And then we made the decision about five years ago to start having digital screens. We're on a main junction and we wanted to make sure that, that you didn't be just become a fixture in the street. By having a a digital screens, we could change the message that we wanted to introduce. There was something different for clients to look at when they were stopped at the traffic lights. And we were just constantly in their minds subliminally, maybe. They'd seen we're building. They'd seen uh, the digital aspect of the business, whether it be through social media, whether it be through seeing an online obituary um, that not a lot of people were doing at that point, or whether seeing what we were offering outside. And, And for the future, I can see from the FCA, how we can then fit that in a digital world coming forward. This will be the first step for us, maybe in terms of the, the offering to a client, doing it mm-hmm. more tablet-orientated with them, on, rather than paper-based. Yep. And for experience, you know, directors that have maybe been in the profession 20, 30 years, and that's a big mental hurdle to, to I overcome. Know. I know. Um, but slowly but surely, the younger team are, you know, are, are, are helping guide them through and showing them yep. the benefits. And then that will lead on to funeral arrangement sheets being more digitalized. The way I'm trying to say, listen, you've already had this experience problem with yourself when you've purchased insurance, car insurance, whether it be a mortgage application. You didn't think that was strange. It's right. probably the same for clients. It's, it's us that have got the preconception that clients don't want that. I'm well, glad people. you said it. Yeah, they probably don't think about that side of things when they come through the door. You know, yeah. But our preconception of what we've always done that's yep. what clients want. It's, it's not necessarily the case. And unfortunately, um, younger and younger clients are coming through the door and I they guess. expect that. So slowly but surely that is changing. How much it changes,
0: who knows? Wow, that sounds like you're in really good shape. Uh, Look, it's been fascinating talking to you, Kenneth, and really appreciate your time and uh, best wishes for the next few months and years and beyond with regulation. But sounds like you've got a really solid customer experience. there. So well done. All right. You take care.
1: You're welcome. Thanks, Malcolm. And thanks for the time again. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Partnership Podcast. If you haven't signed up for a training webinar, you can visit goldenchartertraining.co.uk and register in seconds. And if you have any questions about the training or regulation, simply contact your Golden Charter Business Manager. And as always, you can also contact me if you want to contribute or suggest anything for the podcast at malcolm.flanders at goldencharter.co.uk. All of our previous episodes are available online at goldencharter.buzzsprout.com. You can also find and subscribe to us on most podcast apps. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time on the Partnership Podcast.